Here at Crossroads Church, we believe that Jesus is the best thing that has ever happened to us, and we want others to know him as we do. You can visit us Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. at 500 South Interstate 35 in Belton, Texas. For the most updated information here at Crossroads Church, visit us at crcbelton.com and like us at facebook.com slash crcbelton. You are now about to listen to our Sunday podcast. We hope to see you this Sunday at 1030. Be blessed. We had um, uh, Pastor Matt preach for me. I was gone uh, a couple weeks ago. Well, anyway, so uh, I didn't get to tell him that uh, we had a guy in church who was an ex-policeman at the, uh, uh, in uh, Colleen For- Fort Hood area. And so he was visiting that day. He was invited by another policeman that goes to our church. We have three policemen now, ex-policemen. Well, anyhow, it's good to have those guys with us. Well, anyhow, so he's at the back, and I, he introduced me for church. And so Pastor Matt preached, and he gave him an altar call, but he had to get over here real quick, so he didn't get to see what happened after that, so I had to tell, tell him later. So what happened was is that Pastor Matt left to get back over here, like we rushed over here to get to the church. And uh, so uh, I had to, we had the altar call. A couple people come forward. So I prayed for them. The guy in the back uh, standing with this ex-policeman goes like this to me. So I, oh, okay. So I go back there, and he said, My friend I invited here, Larry, wants to give his heart to the Lord today. Same age as I am. And so I said, this is going to be easy. You're ready. And we led him in prayer. He accepted the Lord. He hasn't missed since. That was um, two or three weeks ago, four weeks ago, something like that. He hasn't missed. And uh, the neat thing about it was, here's what he said. After we prayed with him, he said, right out loud, it's about time. Talking about himself. I thought that was pretty neat. He knew it was about time. Well, today, I just think about it. You know, God has things that are ordained we don't know of and, and times that when we come to church that are special for us. And this is a special time. It's a special event. It's Sunday morning. But there are a lot of us that need turnaround times. There, there's times that not just turn around and get relaxed. I'm talking about turn around our life. I mean, breakthroughs in our lives, something to change. You just can't keep going on the way you are. Uh, how many feel like you live a pretty normal life? Well, don't raise your hand because most of us are dysfunctional families anyhow. And about the time you think that you're normal, then you're really not normal, and then you have to figure out, well, but you know what aggravates me sometimes is that I really don't like just getting by. Do you? I don't like to live life to where I'm just getting by and I'm kind of coasting along and and it, the life's too short. And when you get older like me, you got, hey, I need to do something. If I want to do something, I'll do it today. Well, I'm continuing the, the series in Judges. And I'm taking on Judges chapter 6. And if you'd like, get your Bibles and turn in your Bibles to Judges chapter 6. We're going to read some scripture. Now, today, the reason why I'm going to take this out of the King James Version, uh, you might have NLT, you might have uh, uh, NIV, you might have... Uh, HGT, that's my initials. You might have your initials or whatever. It doesn't matter, but I want to read out this one because it gives a little bit uh, a different slant on where this guy was at the time that God wanted to use him. I don't know where you're at in your life and what God wants to do with you, but if you think that your life is normal, give God a chance it will become all but normal. Give God a chance 
and it will become all but normal. He will take what seems to be mundane and turn it around and do fantastic things. I'd like to do fantastic things for the Lord, wouldn't you? Sure you would. And I think that you're ready, and I am too, just like Larry was, to give his heart to the Lord. And I tell you what, he can't keep him out of church now. I mean, it's just he just loves church and loves God. His wife had passed away a few years ago. He's all by himself. I said, who do you have? He said, I got my dog. That's all I got. Got my dog. And I said, well, bring your dog to church. Get him saved too. We can get him. Well, anyway, you know, sometimes uh, we don't feel like we're valued, do we? Uh, we feel like one of the greatest events for Belton just happened this last week. You got to make it, I think they said thirty or 40,000 people lined the streets of Belton. And I've been here uh, on my 26th year now in Belton. And I remember when it was big. I, did, I got to do the parade one year and be the MC of the parade. And it was kind of funny. You have all these baseball little league groups coming down. You've got uh, uh, horses coming down. You've got bands coming down. But you get these cards and you're supposed to click them off as they come down. Well, I dropped my cards. I didn't put them back right. So here comes a little league group coming down, and I say, this is a little league group from Little River. And they holler out, no, we're not from Little River. We're from um, some, you know, Belton or something. They'd holler this out. I got, man, I messed that up. I get the next one, and here comes the horse group from and I said, I have made a mess out of things. I am not the hero of this group. I should be sitting on the curb. And I, one thing dawned on me is that this, not everybody's probably called to MC a rodeo or a parade or something like that, which I messed up. Not everybody is a hero in this world. There's some people who do have to sit on the curb and clap their hands as the heroes go by. But I do know this. Everybody is called in this room to do something more than what you're doing right now, if you just think about it. You're climbing that ladder of success in the deal yesterday. I tell you about this. It was pretty neat. did a wedding outside. The people were from Venezuela. Actually, the dad owns a car lot, and I bought my car through him in, in uh, Colleen. We become good friends, Garcia. And they're from Venezuela, and so they had a little thing that they do at the weddings, which I wasn't really familiar to do. They lit a candle, which we've done that before. But he had a bag of money that he was going to give me. I thought, oh, thanks a lot. Well, the bag of money is to be prayed over and then hand to the girl. You dump that in her hands, and he, uh, she dumps it in his hands, and then we pray over the money again, and God would prosper in a while. I'm, I didn't know really anything about all that, so I said, I'll go along with it. And so right before that happened, you know how preachers get goofy thoughts every once in a while? Well, I had one. And right in the middle of this wedding, I said... <laughs> I told this, this couple, they said, this is not planned, but I've got a scripture for you before I give you this money and before I pray over this money. Well, during the rehearsal dinner, they asked the best man and the bridesmaid to say a couple words over, what, how would you describe her? How would you describe him? Well, the best man said, well, I describe him because I was his roommate for two years as uh, self-motivated, fun to be around, I'm talking about the groom. Uh, he is pretty he, a young man being successful right now at Patriot Pontiac, Patriot car dealer over there. And so then uh, I describe him as uh, funny, but I describe him as, as a winner because me and him were really pre pretty competitive, and I would never win. He would always win. And so I would say he's a winner. So I said this, how the, the young man, I said, you're a winner. It's already been told me you're a winner. 
But when I hand you this money, you're going to be responsible now as the husband of this household. You will be the shepherd of the home. Now, I started getting into all this. I didn't have this written down. And so I said, this money is a symbol of what God's going to do with you. And I'm going to pray prosperity over that. You'll never be broke because you got, you know, this few dimes or whatever it is in that, that bag. But I said, you'll have a responsibility you've never had before. And I, God just showed me this stuff. And I said, you will not only be responsible for your, your family, you will be responsible for God's work. I don't know where that came from. Because I'm not taking an offering there, you know, or anything like that. And so after we then gave the money and we prayed over it, and I prayed a uh, prayer of prosperity, may God bless them 100% because I really feel that these two young people, and by the way, after the, after the ceremony, this was pretty neat, after the ceremony, we're in, they had a big dinner. Man, I mean, this big blowout over in, in Georgetown, Ron Rock area. is outside, by the way. And... Um, so I've already about sweated as all I can sweat, you know, and everybody else. And so we're through with this. And he come over to me, and he says, what time does the church start in Belton? I said, it starts at 1030. He said, after our honeymoon, we're going to be there. So when they come in, I introduce you to them. Very nice, lovely couple, but they're hungry for God. They're hungry for some fellowship. They're a young couples, so they need young couples to gather around them and be their friend and incorporate them in this life, just like you do others in our church. So they're coming. Well, anyway, so he said, I didn't know. Oh, and then uh, before he did that, I said, I have a scripture I want you to memorize. Well, that was off the cuff of the hat, and I said, it's Proverbs 10, 22. And here's what it is. In the NLT, the New Living Translation, it says this. The blessings of the Lord makes a man rich and adds no sorrow to it. Well, anyway, so he's, they said, okay. And I said, now I want you to memorize this scripture, and I want to incorporate this in your life. So they learned that scripture. Well, he comes to me afterwards, not only telling me he wants to come to church, and he said that's the first time he's ever learned a scripture like that. Isn't it neat how God works? And... God's going to take him some, to some to new levels. He's going to go some levels. Financially, I, no doubt, God's going to bless their home, no doubt. They might be millionaires in the next couple of years. I told them, don't forget their church, wherever they go to church. Don't forget God's work. Don't forget the missionaries. Don't forget, you know, when God elevates you, don't forget where you've come from. Amen? Don't despise humble beginnings. And don't despise how God begins to prosper you that when you prosper. And I did tell him this too. I said, and God's going to bless you to bless somebody else. It might be that person needs help. And we have people in our church that do that here in our church. They see somebody need. Well, to go on, everybody in here might think yourself to be a little ordinary. But I believe God can take the ordinary and make it supernatural, super ordinary, extraordinary for God. The reason why I wanted to, Matt gave me this scripture I read the story, the Gideon's a long story, it's just not a short story, so I'll just share with you the first part of it. It starts in, actually in the first verse in chapter 6 in Judges. Here's what it says. And Israel again, now here's what it says, Israel again sinned against God. I, I, that bothered me. Israel again, not one time, not two times, not three times. How many of you, uh, since you've been saved, have fallen on your face and started up again. Me? 
man, I got bruises on my nose and my elbows from running into the, the runway coming in, thinking I'm doing pretty good, and all of a sudden I got a crash landing because I, what I thought I was doing pretty spiritually good, and then all of a sudden I found myself not, and I got to get back up and start over again. And I think that you're there, and you know what I'm talking about. And God can only do with people, with people who want God to intervene in their life. If you shut God out of your life, then he's shut out. Kick him out. I don't want God in my life. He'll say, okay, you made the decision, but you want God in your life. Then there's something good that's going to take place. So here's what it says. The Midianites and Amalekites and all these otherites began to have a little uh, torture against Israel. And so they, every time they planted a crop, and you can read this next few verses of second, third, fourth verse and on that. Every time they planted a crop, they come and burned it, and they come and ruined the crops. They had no food to eat. If they had cattle, sheep, and goats, they killed them or they stole them. So they were desperate. They had nothing. So they're crying out, oh, God, help us. How many know about time that you really left God in the background? There's sometimes you have to call out, God, help me again. I need your help. And they're crying out, God, help me. We need help. So here's where the story picks up, where God begins to intervene and does extraordinary things through ordinary people. The reason why I like this so much for us is because in our congregation, all of us are not kings and priests or anything like that, but we're just ordinary people. How can God use us to do great things for God? I want to show you how we can do that. And I believe we can learn a big lesson over what Gideon. So here's the story. It picks up here. There came an angel of the Lord, and he sat under the oak tree, which is at Ophir, that pertained unto Joash the Abizrite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat behind the wine press. Now, that's really pretty. I don't know if you get the picture here. The whole story is being told really in one verse. And Gideon, his son, threshed wheat behind the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. Now, you've got to remember where he's doing this at, what's happening. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him. He just picks it up and goes real quick. And said unto him, The Lord is with you, thou mighty man of valor. Uh, where was he before he said that? Uh, yeah, he was hiding behind the winepress, threshing wheat. He wasn't even in the right place to thresh wheat. He was hiding the wheat because he knows if anybody sees it, this guy was carelessly hiding behind here. Now God begins to tell him, you're going to be, or you are, a mighty man of valor. Well, here comes the excuses. Now, if somebody here today, <laughs> just like you, if God come to you and said, uh, today I'm going to raise you up to the President of the United States, you'd say, you've got to be kidding, not me. Or maybe he would say to you, I want you to be the mayor of Belton. And Belton's going to be the best town that you've ever seen. I'm going to let you be the governor of Texas. Each one of us probably would say, I'm not qualified. So Gideon comes along, and here's what he said. Everyone in this room, when God asks you to do something big, finds every excuse in the world why not to do it. Here's his. And Gideon said unto this angel, O oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, then why then... All these things happen to us. We started finding excuses. And where are all the miracles that our fathers told us about? Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has forsaken us 
and delivered us in the hands of the Midianites. In other words, we'd been doing pretty good. Now you left us alone. It's all your fault, God. Man, have I heard people say that before. They never give God praise for what's going on. Good. But when something bad happens, guess who gets the blame? Just to bring in the light what's going on in the United States right now, we need prayer for our nation. And I was thinking that, Brother Larry, I was thinking that what does a soul look like? Is a soul tan? Is a soul, you know, I got, you wouldn't know it unless you look at the profile. I do have American Indian in me. It's about this big. Not enough to get any government subsidies. I'm not even welcome in the casinos as an Indian. So, I mean, you know. Uh, so I don't, I don't validate that as being Indian, but, but say my dad might have Danish heritage, and I've been wanting to pay that $100 so I could find out by heritage.com or whatever it is, find out really who I am. <laughs> I might be shocked. It might be come back and say, we have no idea where you come from. You know? <laughs> well, anyway, I, I wonder what a soul looks like. A soul is something you don't see. A soul is, is not white, it's not black, it's not yellow, it's not brown. It's a soul lives forever. God knows what a soul looks like. He knows what your soul looks like. Could we ever as a church and a nation, that's why our nation needs prayer desperately, a soul is a soul. It is not categorized in different areas. It's a soul. Amen? And, and if we could ever realize that in our, in our life, that if you just look at people and say, you're a soul. God loves you. You're a soul. And it doesn't matter who we, we are, where we've been brought up, whatever background you are, God loves your soul. And if we could see people's souls and get a vision of souls, we'd be a happier nation. Amen. And I pray for our, our, our policemen. I really mean that. I prayed for them earlier. But having three retirement policemen in our service this morning, having uh, some active duty in our service today, and I'm thinking, I pray for those. But I pray somehow that God would bring peace in our, in our country. And I'm going to tell you the greatest warrior I've ever seen is a prayer warrior. The greatest warrior is when you pick up that sword of the Spirit. That sword, that word, the sharper than two, any, any two-edged sword. And you begin to take that word, and the Bible says it even goes to the marrow of our spirit. It divides all that stuff up, and it begins to say who we really are. So I like prayer warriors, and if you really want to be a warrior, be a prayer warrior. Well, anyhow, that's my two cents of politics. In verse number 15, here's what it says. And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith? Shall I save Israel? In other words, how am I going to do it? Here's another excuse. But my family is poor. They're from Manasseh. And I am the least of my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with you, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. You know, uh, being a dad of two boys, when, they, when we were raising our two boys, when they were laying in bed together, I, I, and they were sleeping, just see their heads. I, I didn't know one from the other. And I look at them, I go, like, which one's Matt? Which one's John? And John's here today. And so 
I look at them, I thought, but they, they're totally different in their, their nature, and it should be that way. Amen? I want to talk to a few people that have children that you feel like maybe your children isn't advancing the way that it should be, or maybe they have ADD or ADF or whatever these initials are, and maybe they're hyper. Did you realize there's a man called Winston Churchill? And he was a great leader in Europe, and he saved his country from Adolf Hitler. And it was said that when he was a young boy in school, that he got kicked out of school most of the time because of his uh, antics and his inability of learning, and that uh, he couldn't focus. Too bad back then they didn't know what pill to give him. Winston Churchill became a great leader. And we see some today that, that are put off in the background because when Gideon was found by the angel, Gideon come, didn't go to his dad and say, where's your son? Is he at the gym today? Pumping iron? Is your son counting his money from all the work that he did? You know, is he success? No. He said, and I hate to tell you, one you're looking for, he's over here. He's hiding behind the wine press. For all you parents to think that maybe your children isn't the greatest football player, baseball player, everything you wanted your child to be that you weren't, including myself, God has a place for those children. Don't give up on them. The one who thinks that it's the shyest person in the world and they can't stand up might be just a hairy thrasher, just like me, had the same problem. And God might use him to see souls saved. You just never know. Let's talk about a couple things. Number one, Israel. The very statement scares me because I think that's where we are in America today. Here's what it says. Chapter 6, verse 1, again, Israel sinned against God. Again, America has gone back on God. Again, we as a God-fearing nation have gone back. Did you realize if you go back in your history and you go back to some of those Presbyterian days of our forefathers, which were first Continental Congress, guess what they did? Every time that they wanted to make a move towards this nation, new nation, they went into the chapel and they began to pray and ask God to lead them in what they were going to do. When they signed the Declaration of Independence, the Presbyterians and most everyone that was on there was a Presbyterian. They went into the chapel and they prayed, God, give us words to say because 240 years from now, which they had no idea, what is this nation going to look like? What are we going to stand for? Are we have uh, demarcation lines in, our, in our, who we are? This is what we believe in. It's kind of like a church. A church wants to be everything to everybody. And when people come to church, say, well, I go to Crossroads Church, but I have no idea what I believe. Can I tell you one thing you need to believe in? You need to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He came to die for our sins that He's the only way to eternal life. I didn't say many of the ways. He's the only way to eternal life. Now, you know, you're sitting there, so i got some good friends that they're of this nationality. There's this uh, category and that category. Well, that's fine. I really don't care what category they are. One of the sins that, did you know one of the sins that Israel had was that they served the false gods of the Ammonites and the Amicites? Yeah, that, that was their big sin. There's only one way to eternal life through Jesus Christ. If you want a doctrine of what we believe in, we believe in that. 
and that you can only get to heaven by confessing Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And it's pretty easy, just like I told the ex-policeman. How do you do it? Here's what you do. Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Take my life. Change my life. Transform me. Take all that bad stuff out of my life. Whatever God puts in your heart, and you repent of it, and you accept Christ. How easy is that? We make it the hardest thing. We want you to stand on your head. We want you to fast for 40 days. We want you to join our church and all that. You can be a member of a lot of churches and still never go to heaven. Amen? You need Christ in your life. There's only one way. We're real dogmatic on how you get to heaven. Our nation right now is in desperate trouble. We have left God in the background. We are so fearful sometimes to stand up when the atheists stand up and say, you've insulted me by praying on the field. At this wedding, I had something unusual happen. A guy that's one of the coaches, I don't know if he's a head coach, but one of the coaches at uh, Ellison High School. He came up to me after the wedding. We were eating. He came up and he said, he leaned over to me and he said, can I ask you something? And I said, yeah. He said, when football season starts... I would like for you to come and pray over every game. I want to say, isn't that illegal? What if there's an atheist in there? What if there's somebody that would say, I don't want to hear him pray? Yeah, that's right. All of a sudden, my heart just opened up. Out of the sky blue, a door opened up. You think for one minute... I'd back down shyfully and just kind of say, I don't think I should. I don't think I should go out in the public and mention Jesus' name. If I do, I might insult somebody. I've always said you can cuss and use God's name in vain. Nobody would ever turn around and look at you. But you go in Walmart and you get a discount worth, worth shouting about. You go to the cash register in that blue light special. And you go there and say, thank you, Jesus. Man, I tell you what, eyebrows are going to be raised, people drop their goods, change falls on the floor, credit cards don't work anymore. Why? Because just one word in the name of Jesus, that doesn't, hey, let's go and do one of those flash bob deals, huh? Wouldn't that be neat? We all get together, go to Walmart real quick at the strike of uh, 2 o'clock. Praise the Lord! Thank you, Jesus! I can see in the paper now. Those radicals at the Crossroads Church, they hang from chandeliers. Guess what? We don't have any. My son took them down. But But anyhow, I look at that thing and I say, you know what? I'm falling in love with Jesus more and more. Doors open up for me as just a normal man. And they can open up for you. Let's talk about Gideon a little bit. We know the nation needs help. We know America needs help, just like Israel had. We need somebody to step up on the sea. We need somebody bold enough to say, hey, look, let's get back to God. There's got to come a prophet. There's got to come a revival. In West Virginia right now, look on YouTube. You can Google it right now if you want to. All you have to do is revival in West Virginia. And it's happened in some full gospel churches there where it started in the high school with some football players. These football players got saved on fire for God. Now it's transformed a small town. Revival spreading all through the countryside. People are getting saved. Football players, they have, they have now opened up the biggest part of the, the school to 
the people to come and pray and worship God and have church services. I tell you what's going to happen. When we begin to pray the Holy Spirit down in our churches, we will see our town in Belton change. We'll see Bell County change. We'll see people's lives transform. And guess what? Guess what's going to happen? And I prophesy this over the clean church too. We're going to have the meanest and baddest dude get saved. I mean, this guy's known Larry by every policeman. Everybody, this guy is a drug runner. This guy is a mean guy. Jesus gets a hold of his life and changes his life. A few years ago, you might remember we had a car show here. A friend of mine called me from uh, Dallas, a pastor friend. He said, you've got to have this guy down here and speak for you at the car show. His name, believe it or not, this is his name. His name was Cesar Chavez. Gospel truth. He comes down. He is on parole. He cannot leave Dallas unless he has somebody with him. He had a cop with him. So he comes down. This guy was head of the Mexican Mafia in San Quentin. He gives his testimony. The only reason why I know he gave his testimony there. They told it to me. He tells it here. Well, anyway, he comes up here. When he gets here, he's probably no bigger than maybe that right there. He's got muscles popping out. He's got a tank top on. And I see in this tank top, not only his arms tattooed all over, he's got teardrops coming down here. He's got tattoos down his neck. Well, I asked him, I said, hey, do you mind if you, you do you have tattoos on, on your back or in your front? You know, I like him, you know. So he said, yeah, I'm not really too proud of him. So we come in the church right here because it's on the steps out here. And he said, yeah, let me show them to you. And so he takes his shirt off and he begins to tell me what, each incident that and big murals on his back and on his front had all these tattoos, which he got at San Quentin. He began to tell me, he said, Pastor, I'm going to tell you something. Today, there's going to be a lot of people get saved. God has used me to reach people. Well, we had at that time, and man, we prayed. This guy's a prayer warrior. Man, God transformed his life. And what happened was, is when he got paroled out of prison, he was still mean. He didn't get saved in prison. He was mean. He was, uh, he, he killed people. He said, I would kill people in prison. Not in prison, but I'd have them killed outside of prison. I would just call on them and call my friends, and I could, you know, I could do that. His wife, had, uh, or not his wife, but his girlfriend, they hadn't got married yet, she gets saved, okay? She gets saved. Her whole family gets saved. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, he's mad now, see? He's, he's upset. And she told him when he got out, you're not staying with me until you get saved and you get your life right. And, boy, he used a few. He's telling me the story, and he tells it out here on the porch. And he said, I'm not going to do it. I'm I'm not getting saved. I don't want nothing to do with that religion. In fact, he went up to look for his dad because he felt like he was the instigator of all this religion. And he went to him. He told him, and he had a gun. Wasn't supposed to have a gun. Felon had a gun. He went there to kill his father-in-law because he had turned his wife or his girlfriend into this religious idiot, you know, fanatic. And he went there. His dad, uh, her dad, looked on him and said, I love you. And he said, I got saved. Changed my life around. I got saved on that porch. I asked Christ in my life. 
I didn't tell him I'd come to kill him. <laughs> but God changed my life. That day, he comes out here. He preaches. We have all these cars out here. We have low riders, high riders. We got every rider you can imagine. Well, one of the guys that was in one of them had this bouncing car. And they raised, well, anyway, so he gets on the microphone real loud. Hey, man, get out of that car. He didn't do anything. I said, get out of that car and come here. The guy, two of them in the car, gets down, humbly walks to him. He said, they get this far from the porch up there, and he said, you think you're bad? I'm bad. I'm bad. You're not bad. But Jesus saved me. He got the bad out of me. I used to call people to have people like you killed. Now I come to have people like you saved. Get on your knees. Just like that. Led them to Jesus. I said, wow. I need to get me some tattoos. <laughs> that ain't going to work. Gideon, this weak, insufficient, helpless, weakling, hiding by the wine press. That's not even a place that you thresh wheat. But he was hiding because he knew if somebody seen him thresh wheat, they'd take his wheat and steal all of his wheat. So his dad says, son, would you go behind there and would you thresh the wheat so we can have another meal or two that the, the mean guys, they come along, they won't get it. Yes, daddy, I'll go behind there and I'll do it. And when the angel showed up and he told Joash, the daddy says, where's your son? Well, I'm sure he knew that all the time. He said, where's your son? He said, well, he's behind the wine press threshing wheat. I imagine the angel go like, uh, that's not the right place to do this. So behind the wine press? Well, anyway, so he goes and finds him. And he says, today, right then, look how that changes. He said, today, you are a mighty warrior. Can you imagine going from the weakling to the warrior? Can you imagine going from uh, me to the expert CrossFit guy? <laughs> Can you imagine you that maybe you not even had a uh, social science become the governor of Texas or God uses you to do great exploits? That's exactly what God called Gideon to do. And he started off with stuff just like we do. Number one, you don't know my family. <laughs> I guarantee you, some of you say, yeah, I got some black sheep with my family. You don't know my family. My family wouldn't darken this door. Well, I promise you, if Jesus gets a hold of them, you might have a whole family here one day. And that may be taken up by the three or four rows of people in your family that God wants to change your life. Don't discount what God wants to do in your life. If you just open up, well, Gideon kept having this problem. He kept fighting it, just like we fight a lot of times. My family, where I was raised. He said, if you just think about it, he said, where I was raised, even the whole clan. Now he's talking about the whole group of them. He said, they're weaklings. I'm a weakling. They're a weakling. We use every excuse in the world. Then he finally got down to this. And he said, well, you used to do it in the past. How come you didn't do it? You're not doing it today. How come that you used to save Israel going across Egypt and now we're in this predicament? Some of you are here today and you're in a financial predicament.
predicament. And you're saying, hey, I see other people blessed. How come I'm not blessed? I see other people being prospered. How come I'm not prospered? How come I see everybody else in health and I'm sick? And we get to go on all these things. How come God has forgotten me? God's not forgotten you. He's trying to drag you out of that insufficient ability that you have, which says, you say to yourself, I can't do it. It won't happen. It'll never happen to me. You don't know my family. You don't know where I've been raised. Exactly the same stuff. Then he finally come down to start pinning upon God. And here's what he said. Pinning the blame on God. He said, how come you don't do miracles like you used to do? God still does miracles today. He wants to heal your heart. He wants to heal your soul. You know, all the doctors in the world can't heal your heart. Jesus can. Think about that guy, Gideon. What a coward. What a mighty man of valor. Make up your mind. Is he a coward or is he a mighty man of valor? He's a mighty man of valor. You know why he is? Because God said he is. And you know what? He said, here's what he said. Well, how is it going to be done? You know why we don't see a lot of miracles? Because we want the logistics. God, could you give me a, uh, a five-point plan how you're going to do this? And God said, if you've got faith, you're going to depend on me. Don't worry about it. You just take one step. I'm ahead of you anyway. So you just take one step. There's some here today you need a breakthrough, number one, in finances. There's some in your family that need Maybe your marriage needs to be healing. A gal came up to uh, us yesterday, been married for like 30-something years, said, pray for my husband and I. Don't, we don't look like we're going to make it. And we're, we're praying for him. You've been there 30 years. Don't give up. Keep on going. If you've been married a year, keep going. What I'm trying to say is we quit too easy. And we give up on God too easy. And then we've got those people that sit back and they fold their hands and we say, you know what? I, I, I'm not good for much, you know, don't count on me for much. The least person like Gideon could be the greatest warrior in this church. Why I'm here today was because of some women that we call prayer warriors. And when I was growing up in our church, we always had five or six ladies. They weren't going to let you go unless they prayed for you. In other words, they got around me. If I'm sitting in church, guess who the preacher's preaching at? Me. I think, come on, get somebody else, will you? And then at the end of the service, those ladies would come back, and they say, Harry Jr., come on with us. We go down there, and I go, oh, man, not again. <laughs> and they pray for me until I say uncle, and they let me go. I go do my own thing next week, but here they come again. But they were faithful to God to pursue me. They were faithful to God to be a prayer warrior. We need some more prayer warriors that won't give up on your kids or the kids in this church. We don't got people that won't give up on your marriage, and you need a breakthrough in that. We, maybe your business or maybe where you're at, maybe you're wanting to quit because maybe things aren't going your way. Whether it's going our way or not, let's let it go God's way. Amen? I'm sick and tired of going my way. I need to go God's way. You need that breakthrough? I do. This morning we prayed for people over in Colleen about breakthroughs in their life. God uses ordinary people. Just do extraordinary things. I want to finish with this. I picked this up like you would off of YouTube. Ordinary people were doing extraordinary things. Vincent Van Gogh painted over 900 paintings. Only sold one in his lifetime. But they're coveted paintings worth millions of dollars today.
Albert Einstein, which I remember seeing on TV because he died in the 50s, so I remember seeing him as a young boy over our, when, the, when you get the antennas just right and hit the foil and all that kind of stuff. You kids don't know about that, but uh, we do. Albert Einstein was considered to be mentally challenged when he was growing up, and as he was expelled from school, and he was denied school at Zurich Polytech, but he also gave us the the law of relativity and became a winner of the Nobel Peace Prize. One that I thought was pretty good, just ordinary guy, ordinary girl, is Bethany Hamilton. You've seen the movie, haven't you, where she's uh, on a surfboard and um, she goes out and she's, it's called Soul Surfer. The day she's 25 years old, she suffered an attack, lost her arm. At 13, she, after a month later, she goes out, goes in a championship, she wins this young championship, and now she's still surfing today. One of my greatest people when I was growing up is king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley. I hate to quote from him because a lot of things he quoted wasn't very good, but I quote this. I'm talking about good things happening to poor people because he was born on the other side of the tracks. He said, ambition is a dream with a V8 engine. Ain't nowhere else but America. The one day you can drive an old pickup truck and the next day drive a Cadillac. He did that. And then last of all, I'm a Dodge man, but Henry Ford. <laughs> Henry Ford was the type of guy that everybody counted out. In fact, I don't know if you realize it, he went bankrupt five times. He kept plugging on. We know him, of course, by Ford Company. He said, failure is simply the opportunity to do it again, but doing it the right way. <laughs> you do it again, then you do it the right way. Some of you really need to do it again the right way. I'm going to ask for those. Here's what we're going to do. Matt does things different. I do things different. That's okay. Uh, that's, that's good, right? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask those that you're here today and you say, Pastor, I need a breakthrough in my life, spiritually, financially, domestically, whatever that breakthrough is. I mean, God's able to do it. I just want you to stand right where you are. I want to pray a prayer over you. And let's just see what God can do today because there's no distance in prayer. We can agree from right where you are, right? So if you say today I need some kind of breakthrough, you don't have to yell it out to me, but just stand. You represent your family, yourself, and just stand right where you are. I'm going to pray with you. We're going to believe God, that's for sure. Here's one that I want you to stand with them. And these two prayers I'm going to pray. Are there those here today, one time you had an experience with the Lord. It's cold. You're indifferent on that experience now. It's a little bit shoved off in the background. And you say, I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. I want to see a turnaround. I want to see a breakthrough in my life. I want to rededicate my life to the Lord. I want you to stand right where you are. And we're going to pray. Anyone? Very quick. Very Okay. Anyone else just stand with these that are standing? Now, Father, I pray, Lord, for these that are standing. I pray, Lord, that, God, that there are many that need a breakthrough in different areas, financial, physical, spiritual, domestic. It doesn't really matter how. It's how it needs to be done through Christ. I pray today, Lord, for that one that is standing today and they need a recommitment to Christ. 
they seem like their experience has gone off into the cold somewhere. And I pray, Lord, that, God, there's a victory for them. And, Lord, I pray, Lord, that before they walk out here today, there's a change. There's a difference. They don't do just a 180 or 360. They do a 180. They head off the different direction. Their life has changed forever. And rededicating their life, this is where it's at. And we give you thanks for what you're going to do as they have that turnaround and that breakthrough. Everybody's staying with me right now. I think all of us need to rededicate something toward the Lord. So I'm going to lead you kind of in a prayer just off, off my spiritual heart. And I just want you to repeat this with me, everyone, loud and bold. Dear Jesus, I need a breakthrough. And you're the only one who can give it. Forgive me of my sins. Change my life. Take me from ordinary to extraordinary. Let me do things that are big for you because you're a big God. Thank you for being my Savior, my Lord, and my Shepherd. I love you, Jesus, and I give you praise. And let's do that right now. Let's give the Lord an. Thank you, Jesus. I tell you what, let's end this service a little bit different way. If you want to join me at the front, jump around, scream around, holler around, however you want to do it, let's sing and enjoy the Lord. Don't forget Wednesday night Bible studies that are here. All the good things going on. God bless you real good.